Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Dismay Jr. Follow me on what I still think is the Elon app at The Sam D. That's T H E E S A M D. Podcast is also up there at The Sam D Podcast, all one word. Podcast is available on all major podcasts and platforms, including the Purple app and the Rogan app. Subscribe and rate to the pod, five stars, nothing less. Tell a friend. All content, audio, and visual up on thesamd.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Link is in the podcast description. Season 2 of Trash Narratives on the way. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. NBA Finals. Celtics Warriors Game 1 goes to the Celtics. Al Horford again, 120-108, the Celtics take game one. It wasn't even a tale of two halves. It was essentially all about the fourth quarter. Did the Warriors choke? Did the Celtics actually steal one? Or was it really just they got non-lottery picks and the Dubs don't? To help me break down this game and maybe even other games in in the finals, I have with me the homies from the round table. We got Abdiel and we got the homie Oso. And we're going to chop this up because, fellas, I'm telling you right now, as good as I felt watching Steph go crazy with them six threes in the first quarter on his way to 21, setting a record for a quarter, almost setting a record for a quarter, it was amazing to me to watch him go from 21 to zero in the second quarter and then in the second half struggle to find his spots. He needed help. He didn't necessarily get it. Wiggins gave him 20, being that fourth option. Poole struggled. Draymond was taking shots I felt he shouldn't have. Also, I'll go to you. You kind of want to single out Clay. I kind of want to echo that, but I'll let you lead off. How come you think Clay wasn't able to really step up and be that second option behind Steph? Well, let's let's remember Clay is really just coming back off his injury still. Um, and his height. And size advantage normally is something that, you know, he does well with. But Boston is just as long, pause, um, as he is. And so they, they they create kind of a matchup problem for him. Um, I didn't think he really showed out. Um, and I think Poole also, like you said, didn't really show out, which I think had more to do with Curry's struggles in the second half than actual Curry. Because the defense for Boston could, could isolate him and target him because they knew nothing was coming from Poole or from Wiggins to help out on the perimeter. I feel you. You know, I, I think with Clay, I'm I was wondering as I was like rewatching the game this morning, I'm like, look, they had a lot of days off. Like I think Clay was able to show signs of old Clay over games three, four, and five against the Mavericks in the conference finals. I'm wondering, did that layoff with Clay finally getting a rhythm, or so I thought in that Maverick series, did the layoff really affect him? In terms of getting back into the groove, we know how he's had the gruesome leg injuries and he's worked so hard to get back. But was that long layoff between getting rid of the Mavs in five and having to wait for the Celtics to get rid of the Heat in seven, do you think that might have played a part into it? 
Well, honestly, I, I think the the layoff had less to do with it than the scheme. I mean, from the from the jump, um, Curry was obviously you know committed to getting the MVP and kind of dominated the way the offense was flowing or or lack thereof, I should say. They didn't really get Poole or Clay involved um, in the offense. It was all about just getting Curry his threes off early on and making a statement. With the idea, I guess, is to you know to bum rush Boston early, get them on their heels, and hopefully just coast the rest of the way. And for three quarters, it looked like it was working. Right. Um, unfortunately, for that fourth quarter, they didn't have much steam left. Curry looked gassed, um, and you know. All of a sudden, the shots started, didn't fall in. Otto Porter was hitting shots, and all of a sudden, he wasn't. Um, so I think the scheme itself, and, and maybe Curry's, you know, Curry's, uh, I don't want to say arrogance, but his want to be the the MVP finally, I think, may have hindered them more than, than they thought. I'm certainly not not mad at that, and I, I definitely got, got some smoke for Steph. I mean, you, you can't come off dropping 21 in a quarter and then give up a donut in the next quarter. But I, I'll go to you here. Did you see anything in regards to Clay Thompson or just the Splash Brothers, or even if you were throwing this Splash cousin or Jordan Poole, did you see anything there that that you thought was was problematic and contributed to the loss? Just being hesitant, basically with um Jordan Poole, I thought they would uh they didn't he didn't really play his game the way how we've been seeing for like the past season. Um, I thought Clay looked a little bit slow on defense. I mean, offense he he gave fifteen points, which which should be he, which really should have been like at least 24 25 points um yeah man the i i just got one thing to say like at first when i was looking at the like the first the whole first half like the Celtics were playing drop coverage and i was killing them on twitter i was like yo why the hell would you would you would you play drop coverage on Steph Curry right or on a Doves period but then I was like, you know what? But then, like, realizing, like, right now, I'm realizing, like, probably, like, they lulled them to sleep a little bit because it wasn't like they were, they were like, Curry hit six threes, but it wasn't like they were up by, like, 20. You know what I'm saying? They were down by, like, uh, two at, at half, even going, even with them going off. So it was, like, kind of like, all right, did you lull? Did, 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 was the game plan, okay, let's have them go crazy from the three-point. Let's No, no, let's protect the paint. And let them have their threes because at it's going to be a point in time in the fourth quarter where where those threes are not going to fall anymore due to like uh, legs being tired. What, what you think? To your point, um, in the post game, uh, Steve Smith on, on NBA TV he echoed those, those same sentiments. He said that he was surprised that the Celtics came out and played drop coverage, but in that second half they did make an adjustment and they weren't dropping. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they had. They yeah, yeah, Derek White was dogging them. Derek White was like, he was going over the top. Mark Smart was going over the top. Yeah, yeah, even yeah, the yeah. bigs, he, he, even when they did switch and they had Horford on on a wing or on a guard like Steph, it wasn't switch cheese. And I, I, I talked about that on the preview pod where I was like, I don't think that auto switching is going to hurt the Celtics as much unless it's Robert Williams. And Robert Williams did get cooked a couple times by Steph. But Al Horford, the vet, was able to hang with Clay and Steph and even Poole and kind of help to lock in that defense. Mm, okay, okay. So another thing is like, like we said, like um, I I know he's the OG. I know he's like, 
uh, I think someone's uh, think uh, someone said on Twitter last night that he was like the Undertaker. He he's going to be like the uh, NBA's Undertaker. He only shows up in the big games. Um, but Andre Iguodala, like Iguodala, then hasn't played in like how long? You know what I'm saying? So it was like, why would you throw him out there instead of like Kaminga? Kaminga's been averaging about 16 minutes a game, having nine points a game. You know what I'm saying? He's young. He's ready. Like he doesn't seem like the type of young boy that would be phased by like this type of moment. You know what I'm saying? Plus you're on that team with Draymond Green. Draymond Green is not going to have anybody that's going to play with, that's going to be played scared with him. So why not put Kaminga out there and probably put like a lineup that could like at least try to force some of these Celtics bigs off the floor. I mean, go with a lineup, like put Draymond at the five, Kaminga at the four, you know what I'm saying? Try to do something different, but I definitely think Kaminga needed some, some minutes last night. For sure. Like, I, I think he earned minutes in that Dallas series, and I thought that would carry over here. Steve Kerr, you know, in that old school Phil Jackson, Pat Rowley, even Popovich mold, doesn't really rock with playing rookies a lot of minutes. I don't know why. I mean, I, I think that's an antiquated look on basketball, especially when you have the talent of a Kaminga and even Moody to, to a lesser degree, but certainly Kaminga should be getting some run. Um, and they could have used his size last night. I think a, a big factor was they had Williams and they had Horford out there. And even though if you look at the stats, it wasn't like a dominant advantage in the paint. It was more of a presence. Steph kept trying to go to the cup once they started closing out in that second half on the three. And he kept having to pump fake or pass it out because there wasn't no real lane. It wasn't a clear path to the cup. And that's because you have a Horford and a Williams there. So, if you have a Kaminga out there who can, I think, maybe not at this point in his career, but I think he's a type that can create his own shot. He's a guy that can at least, if you're not going to trust him to create his own shot, he can at least do the other things. He can set screens. He can run off he the screen. All screens. Yeah, he could, he could do that. He can hit the glass. He can he'd be an effort guy, an energy guy. And I think that was something in that run, not even that 17-0 run in the fourth quarter, but that just initial wave of them climbing back into the game, they needed a shot in the arm. Steph gave that to him in the first quarter with, with all the threes, but they needed something to follow up that barrage, and they just didn't have it. It wasn't from Eagle Dollar. Otto Porter gave him some threes early, but as also said, didn't really give you that much in the second half. So they needed a shot in the arm, and they just couldn't find it from anywhere. Steph tried, but I, as also said, I think he was tired as well. He looked tired. You know, the shot was short. And he wasn't able to get to the cup. Clay was ineffective. I don't know if that was the layoff or just the scheme. But th there was a lot of things there where even though they limited Tatum to 12, he still had 13 dimes. He shot the ball horrifically, 3 of 17. I don't want to say they stole one, but when you look at what Tatum was, wasn't able to do. No, they, didn't steal. They, 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 they definitely took it. You think so? Because, I mean, if, if Horford's going to play like that, do you even need Tatum to go crazy? Do you need Tatum to be how he was against Milwaukee, how he was against Brooklyn, how he was against Miami? If no. Horford's going to give you 20 and Derek White's going to give you 20? Yeah, the but, but they, they – I mean, we've been, who, who have we been talking about? Who have we been talking about this whole uh, playoffs besides Jason Tatum? Al Horford. Al Horford had that famous dunk and 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 almost ripped um, the Greek feet's um, head off. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Derek White went out of his mind last series shooting from three. You know what I'm saying? This is just a this is just a carryover. I think going forward, you're gonna have Al Horford average about 18 points in the series. Derek White average about uh 15 to 18 points in the series. You know what I'm saying? Also, 
I mean, I don't think Horford's going to average 18. He'll probably take the next two games off where he'll be almost irrelevant again, and they'll have another big game later on. Um, but how much of this is is on, to your point about Horford playing so well, how much of this is, is on the nut hitter for not being, you know, not saying he's a liability offensively, but for not applying pressure offensively, allowing Horford to save his energy for defense on, on his wings? I mean, I didn't really see, you know, much of Draymond last night from an offensive standpoint. Did you? I didn't. And he I actually thought he shot too much. <laughs> like he he took two threes. I'm like, yo, that's too, too many, dog. Like that's that's not your game. Um, in the post game, he felt he said that he felt those shots were good shots. I mean, I, him being wide ass open, taking the three like that, that to me is not a good shot. That's like they're putting him on, on Russi uh, territory where they're just going to dare him to take the shot. And uh, the fact that he took four threes last night, I thought it was two. It's four threes. Like, that's four too many. Like, you can't have Draymond Green, who perennially is probably like, what, like a 20% three-point shooter, if that. You can't have him taking four threes in the NBA Finals game. But, you know, here's something I, I, I was – I came up with this morning. Something I saw in the in the fourth quarter. The majority of the shots that the Warriors were taking, and this was a thing throughout the game, but really in the fourth quarter especially, the most important or the easiest three-point shot is corner three, right? Everyone wants to be able to shoot corner threes. P.J. Tucker has extended his career and won a ring because of his ability to shoot corner threes. The Warriors do not take a lot of corner threes. And last night, Horford especially killed the Warriors with corner threes because they kept spreading the ball around. And also to your point earlier about the scheme, the Warriors scheme used to be about moving the ball around, spread, pass the ball, movement, movement, movement. Whereas as these guys have gotten older, as the Splash Brothers have gotten older, as a habitual nut hitter has gotten older, I don't see the ball whipping around like that anymore to where you have a Steph and a Clay who can shoot from anywhere 50%, but even higher from the corners, they're not shooting the ball from the corners anymore. And meanwhile, the Celtics are doing it the way that most teams are doing it, where they're maximizing getting those threes in the corner because it's the shortest but the most highly uh, rewarded shot in the game. I'm trying to figure out, is that really scheme or is this age showing? As great as the Warriors have looked throughout this playoff run, did it take a team that has non-lottery picks and could play D and it has a coach to maybe expose that these Warriors aren't the Warriors from 2016? Well, I think that, I mean, I think that's definitely the case. And, and I think also too, as far as the, the scheme is concerned, is it possible? I mean, I don't be prisoner of the moment here, but is it possible that Poole should be starting? Like he has been, you know, leading up to these playoffs and getting into this point. I mean, I know Curry came back in the starting lineup, you know, recently, but they got here with Poole being extra swaggy, getting confident early on, then bringing in Clay as like a hammer almost to to, to keep teams on, on on their heels. And so now with Curry out there, he's showboating and, and trying to hit threes early on, but it's not really conducive to a team playing well. It was just him playing well. I think the only thing with that, and and Ab definitely chime in next, I saw a lot of Poole and Steph on the floor in the fourth quarter, and they got killed defensively. They got shredded defensively. So I'm not – I mean, I'm sure – I think at that point last night, 
Kerr had no choice but to play them together and, and to let them finish the game before it got too out of hand. But I think what you're giving up defensively almost cancels out what you would get for them ideally offensively because a couple of times, like that Marcus Smart three, that kind of was the dagger to put it out of reach for good. That was Jordan Poole's man. Horford goes goes and gets the offensive rebound. Poole tries to collapse and double Horford in the paint where he wasn't doing any work the whole night. He's been palms away from three the whole night. But here comes Jordan Poole trying to be extra, trying to double Horford in the post. And he leaves Marcus Smart open for, again, the easiest, highly productive shot from the outside, a corner three. And I'm just like, why is this dude in the game? Like, he clearly wasn't giving you nothing offensively unless you were hoping for him to get super hot, like how Steph was in the first quarter. I really don't know why Jordan Poole was still out there in the fourth quarter when he was part of the squad that choked up the lead. So I I don't know what it is. I don't know what the answer is. I think Poole should definitely get more run. But if he's not showing them, if he's not showing the prowess that he's shown us throughout the playoffs, you got to have a quick hook. You got to get him up out of there and try to go somewhere else because you can't get a game back like last night. You choked away game one at the crib. You can't get that back now. You left. You let Steph sit out too long. And then when he came back, he still looked tired. He messed up that ankle again. Them trash ass ankles has returned potentially by wearing aerobic shoes. <laughs> and now they might be faced with if pull's not giving you nothing. And Steph is running around here gingerly off them screens, off them rubs, off them pin downs, off them dribble handoffs. Now what? Now you're asking A. Wiggins to be a third option or a second option? Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Maybe you start pool like you like you have been before. But if he's like, not giving you something, then what? Though? Nah, like you can't start pool because pool's too small for Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart. Like that, that they're starting. It was bully ball, ball on him last night yeah, a little they, bit. It, you start pool. And I guarantee you, you'll be down by halftime by like at least 15 points. You know what I'm saying? Like, they feast on smaller guards. They've been feasting on smaller guards this whole entire playoff run. So, I don't know, man. Like I said, I I think you want to you want to play Kaminga, man. Because, again, he gives you the size. He gives you the youth. He gives you the athleticism. You know so, give saying? give Kaminga Eagle Dollars minutes. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, then what about Glove Jr.? I mean, put him in where you can just to see what he could do. Because I think even though Glove Jr. is like about is like is a, is a smaller guard, he's he's he still still has the uh the athleticism and the strength to guard like a Jalen Brown. You know what I'm saying? That they won't be able he won't be like that much of a that much of a liability on 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 getting like feasted on. But then the offensive side is like, all right, what can he do offensively? Because he because he's gonna need somebody that can like is he gonna like what like what's the offense in the way? Is they're gonna be stagnant like how they was in the second half, or are they well, that's the problem. Continue to, to to show movement. Like I don't know what it was, but it seems like like the big three for Golden State just got tired. Like they were tired, they were lethargic. Kerr clearly chose offense over defense last night. Yep. You know, so you know the the fact that he didn't play Kaminga, the fact that he didn't go with GP Glove Junior. The fact that, you know, even Damian Lee, to a certain extent, he didn't get no real run. So, I mean, going with Otto Porter and Eagle Dollar, that to me was choosing. Even though Iggy's not an offensive threat in the mold of what he used to be, he's still that type of a playmaker that creates shots offensively. And Otto Porter's a shooter. 
He chose those two over the likes of a Glove Jr. and a Kaminga. So he chose offense over defense. Their whole their whole mantra, this whole entire Steph era, Steph championship era has been strength in numbers. You know what I'm saying? Strength in numbers. You don't dwindle down your numbers when they're on the biggest stage. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got a 10-man rotation, you play a 10-man rotation. Don't try to, like, cut it down to, like, seven, eight. Like, nah, man, come on. Well, to, to, to your point, uh, Sam, I heard some uh, Warriors, like OG Warrior fans, the other day saying that they were they were mad at uh, Kerr, the second championship they lost because he was playing um, Bogut and um, Varejao or some or some other, some player like that for minutes that they shouldn't have played, and then it, they fouled LeBron early on. And obviously they lost that series. And then to your point now, you know, he's playing, you know, a washed up Iggy and, you know, Otto Porter instead of players who probably should be playing. I mean, maybe it's the time to talk about Kerr not being, you know, as great a coach as everyone thinks he is. I mean, I'm here for that. I've, I've never been a fan of Kerr as a coach. Um, I think he inherited a team that's Mark Jackson's team. I still feel this team is Mark Jackson's team at its core anyway. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I think to your point, Mr. Neil Long made a lot of adjustments in that second half, and I didn't see too many adjustments from the Golden State side. You know, when you look at the team that, you know, the Dubs went eight for 21 from three in the second half. So they kept jacking them up. So they still played essentially Warriors basketball. They just didn't fall. But the issue really was is that they weren't dropping. The Celtics didn't drop in that pick and roll coverage or in the screen and roll coverage. And they played up, and now it's a contested three. While Steph can still make those, Jordan Poole hasn't proven that he could do that on a consistent basis. Clay is still fighting to come back from all these injuries. You got Draymond out here taking four threes. I mean, even Eagle Dollars out here chucking threes, and that's never been his game. So it was very telling to see how they lived and died by the three. And I think I'm going to have to title this They Outdubbed the Dubs. The Celtics Outdubbed the Dubs because the fact of, in the second half, they were 12 for 20 from three. That's an insane clip. And in that fourth quarter, when they had that 17-0 run to really take charge of the game, they were 9 of 12 in the fourth quarter from three. So can we really just boil it down to look, dog, as I, as I said a few episodes ago, you can really just look at a basketball game and just say who shot better from three and who made more threes, and then you can pretty much decide who won the game. Can we really just narrow down what we saw last night to just the Celtics made their threes in the second half and the Warriors didn't? Or is there something deeper here that we need to discuss? Well, I mean, I think part of it is you had had a a third guy in white playing with all the confidence in the world. Can someone like Glove Jr. neutralize him coming off injury? He has the acumen to be able to do so. Because Clay's getting cooked on defense, bro. He can't move. I, I think the layoff really affected Clay. Clay was getting cooked. Like I'm looking at these 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 Jalen Brown highlights, and it's like he went at him. He 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 was not scared of Clay last night. So it was like even Derek all- White wasn't scared of Clay. No so, one was scared of Clay last night. So I'm saying you got the defensive dogs on your bench. You made you you made them available to play. Play them, bro. Play them. I think we need to talk about Jalen Brown. You know, I've been a big Jalen Brown guy. As everyone's been going crazy about Tatum, I've always said, you know, I think they're they're a better team as like a balance 
when they go through Jalen Brown as opposed to just letting Tatum do his best Kobe impression every night. And I think we, we've seen that. We obviously have seen the maturity of Tatum, the fact that he could drop 13 dimes even though his shot was off and they were hounding him on defense. But Jalen Brown, who I've been critical of, especially when, when I saw how much his handle was called into question against Miami and how they kind of exposed that a little bit. And you saw that a little bit last night. They tried to force him to go left, but he kept going right, which is weird because he's he's a right-hand dominant player. But for some reason, they were playing and angling him to go left. But Jalen Brown being able to get to his spot and put up not only 10 points in the fourth quarter, but still playmake and give you five dimes with two threes in the fourth quarter. Al Horford deserves the credit. I'm sure the odds on Al Horford being finals MVP have went down. But Jalen Brown stepping up on a night when Tatum wasn't Tatum. Talk to me about Jalen Brown. I'll go with Oso first. What what, what did you see from Jalen Brown and how aggressive he was, especially in that fourth quarter? Well, obviously, you know, this is a big Jalen Brown house. Um, Brown being Ab's like second favorite player in the league. Um, and I'm a big Brown guy, too, on and off the court, I might say. Facts. Righteous, righteous brother. Um, I mean, he's he's a, he's a prototypical NBA wing. That's who he is. He's who I envision when I say wing. I'm thinking of a wing in the NBA. And I think he showed that last night. He has uh, athleticism, length. He can shoot. Um, dribbling isn't terrible. It's a little overrated that people are talking about it so much. Um, and he can create his own shot, more importantly. And last night when 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 Tatum wasn't there to be the alpha, he stepped up and took over and allowed the team to win based on his efforts. It was really his win last night. Ab? Well, you know they call me um, Harden Durant Tatum Brown, so. Oof. <laughs> That's a t- that's that's who the, I'm. Pre- I'm the president of those fan clubs. But um, nah, man. Um, like he really like he really like impressed me last night. I mean, he did exactly what he's supposed to do as as the number two right on the team. You're supposed to when when the top guy can't make a basket, you're supposed to make the baskets. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, man. I'm just I'm just happy, man. You know what I'm saying? Like now now I can like you know. Talk a little, talk a little bit because I, I have this evergreen uh, Facebook post saying that Tatum and Brown are gonna run the East in the next two years, and I'm like exactly on time. So has has last night changed your outlook? I, I don't, I don't know what your prediction was coming into the series, but did last night alter your predictions or did it enhance your prediction? Um, coming into coming into coming into the series, I said. I had the dubs actually winning because, like, at points, the Celtics offense gets a little bit too stagnant. They were they they relied too much on the isolation basketball, and Marcus Smart just like when 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 he has to be your like prime decision maker, it's just not. I mean, I like Marcus Smart as a player, but it's just, but it's just like him as a as a decision maker as the as the point guard is just not what you is not it's not a recipe for winning. But um, last night, I think um, they Udoka got the memo. You know what I'm saying? He got the memo. So I, I'm feeling a little bit. I'm 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 feeling as though this is going to be a nice seven game series. But I still got the dubs though, because again, like you're not you're not going to get those in too much games where it's like 
Marcus Smart is just like playing smart basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like that's an experience in itself. And playing with a, t- a veteran team like the Doves, they they can like eat that up. You know what I'm saying? Very quickly. Also, yeah, I I kind of agree. I had the the Warriors winning this um, series anyway, and I don't think last night changed it. If anything, I think kind of almost strengthened my my opinion on it um, because Tatum didn't play well for sure, right? But you're not going to have White playing unconscious like you did the rest of the way. You're not going to have Al Horford playing unconscious the way you had the rest of the way. You're not going to have um, uh, the, the Boston team in general looking that good the rest of the way. And, you, and you're not going to have Clay and Poole be completely uh, useless the rest of the series. So I think this actually bodes well for the, for the um, Warriors, assuming – this is a big assumption here – Assuming Kerr actually makes adjustments and out coaches Udoka, which I'm not so sure he can do. To y'all point, I don't see the Celtics making seven straight threes to begin a fourth quarter like they did last night. I don't see the Celtics being able to expose the dubs on the right side of the floor, exploiting mismatch where they went seven of seven, including four threes just on the right side of the floor alone. Like, so they they clearly, Udoka and them clearly have watched the film and chopped it up and said, yo, if we run a lot of action on the right side of the floor, we could expose some things. And he went seven for seven with four threes on that right side of the floor. So, again, to, to your point also, I hope Kerr is chopping up that tape and realizing there's some people that need to get more run. Kaminga needs to touch the floor. Glove Jr. might need to touch the floor. And it's not necessarily, I'm not saying throw him out there for 30 minutes, but a 15 to 20 minute spurt with Kaminga, maybe even Moody a little bit, but more Kaminga and for sure Glove Jr. Just to see what he's got. They made a big deal about him being available along with Eagle Dollar last night. And then Glove Jr. doesn't touch the floor until it's blowout time. So I still have the Warriors winning this. That's more for financial reasons than anything else, because I'm still a believer in talent over everything. And with all the talent that the Celtics have had for the last four or five years, it's amazing to me that they've just now have gone to an NBA Finals. So it would not shock me if the Celtics continue to play like this and go on to win this series because they could just out-talent the dubs. But to y'all point, it's hard to imagine a team like the Celtics who shoot well from three, but not 12 from 20 and a half, not nine for 12 in a quarter, not Al Horford looking like he's 28 years old and not about to be 36. So I'm here for it. I don't know if, if, if we're really going to get the adjustments from Steve Kerr. I don't know if I trust it because he hasn't really shown a propensity to do that in the past. There's no Kevin Durant to come save Steph now. There's no Kevin Durant to come save Clay now. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? I was told by the, the Blue Check boys that KD was along for the ride. Exactly. That, that's the, and, and this is where... That, that that comes to play. This is why Steph doesn't have a finals MVP. Because the two years with Kevin Durant, they still needed him to be the closer. Especially that second chip against Cleveland. Like two of, two of those three wins, uh, excuse me, two of those four wins against Cleveland, those games were close and KD had to hit the dagger. Both of them against LeBron, by the way. But he had to hit the, the dagger to finish that, those games out to help secure those chips. Like Kevin Durant earned those finals MVPs and Steph has never been that good. He's never been the guy 
to help lead this team to a championship. Iguodala, just by getting in LeBron's way for six games, helped him get the finals MVP while Steph only put up like mid-20s. So, yeah, I mean, also, look, I'm here for that. I'm not afraid to go down that path. Kevin Durant's not walking through that door. And if they don't have a secondary guy, because in those teams, Steph was a secondary guy. Let's not get it twisted. KD was was Slim Reaper. That was peak prime Slim Reaper. So the fact that now it's all back on Steph's shoulders again with them trash-ass ankles, (laughs) I don't know, man. I'm I'm financially invested, but the way them ankles looked last night, the way that shot looked looked short last night, and the way that Jordan Poole looked shaky in the light, and Clay looked a little lethargic, maybe a little rusty, maybe a little stiff, and Draymond being the habitual nut-hitter that he is, I don't know. This this could be quick work for the Celtics. Because if if it's just a Steph show... That ain't going to do it against non-lottery picks. That's not going to do it. Well, they say that a series starts, according to Blue Chuck Boys, a series starts when the um, home team loses. Well, then the final started last night. Started last night, exactly. That shit started, so let's see. Let's see, man. I don't, I, and then I what, can't believe you, you, you were going to let that KD debate just slide off like that, knowing how you give it up. <laughs> yeah, I, threw, I threw up the alley for him. I know, I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here I waiting for him to go in, and he's trying to pivot to something else. I'm like, dogs, I'm, KD. I'm, I'm, you know, it's just game one. At the end of the day, it's just game one. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to. I didn't want to throw out the KD card too too early. You know what I'm saying? I just want to. I want to. Oh, this series could be over. I mean, Pat Bev was on the verge of saying that on the fourth of the network last night. He was almost on the verge of saying, based off last night. And the way that the Celtics overwhelmed these dubs, it's over. So it, well, it's, actually, it's not too early. You know, I meant, I meant to mention this, too. So last night, and I don't know why, maybe I was, you know, doing something else. But um, I watched the the separate feed. It was C.J. McCollum and, and Legler giving commentary in a two-box setting. It was like the NBA Finals via YouTube, but it was on ESPN2. I don't know if you checked that out at all. Okay, No. But the whole time, man, T.J. McCollum was all Team Boston. He kept pointing out how Boston had the advantage on the court, and he kept saying it, kept saying it. Even when they were losing the three quarters, he kept saying it. And I was like, why is he Why so so on Boston so much? And then the fourth quarter came around, he's like, I told y'all. I I tried to tell y'all that this this game is already over. He was calling it, like, before the the run had already happened. But you kind of sense that, though, because it's like – yeah, Steph, he's going bananas from three, but they're not up by like 15, 20 points. Boston was still in it. So you so it's like you hitting somebody with a haymaker, hitting somebody with a haymaker. You're giving somebody your best haymakers. They ate those. And they exactly. So it's like, damn. Like, what do you want to do? <laughs> I mean, they did have a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, though, to be fair. They did. And then yes. they but the I think the issue is there is. When Steph went went off the floor, that's usually when Poole starts to cook. That's usually when Clay gets to cook, and they didn't last night. Now you want to chalk it to the defense or chalk it up to Clay, you know, maybe not being that fully confident in his body yet, or Poole just being off, or maybe them actually locking in. Like, see, it's different when you're like the third guy, and everyone's paying attention to the first two guys, so you get to get your shit off. But then when you're now the guy, you're or you're considered a guy. 
and now they're putting one of their better defenders on you full court, that's different. And yeah. you saw Smart yeah. and yeah. even Pritchard to a certain degree yep. Yep. locking in on Jordan Poole. Let me get you a yeah. nod, dog. You're not just going to be able to run around and just, you know, pull up in the corner like – before half, yep. Exactly. So, you know, it, it could be a little different where Poole's going to face more attention than he has his whole career in the NBA. So how does he adjust? Does he have another tool in his bag to be able to get off then? I'm a real, you know, great value Steph Curry. Like, he needs to do, be able to do more than that. Can you go to yeah. the rim with, with authority? Do you have a midi? I don't know. That's another concern. Can be Kirkland brand? I mean, I mean he's, he's, he's looking like that. Damn, great value. And that's another con- the concern. Like, that's another concern for me. Like, Wiggins is supposed to be, like, your third or your fourth options. You know what I'm saying? Depending on who's hot. But. If you, you ask him to, to, to be more than that, it's a wrap. Exactly. Exactly. Like, he did exactly what he needed to do last night. He yeah. held Jason Tatum. Or he was a part of having Jason Tatum only scored 12 points. He dropped 20 and 5. Yeah. That A Wiggins gave you the A Wiggins game that you need. Exactly. He, he's the only dub I, I got no shade for. I, even Looney. Looney, all the talk of, you know, Looney's now stepping into his role and Looney ain't do shit last night. A Wiggins was the only one in that starting lineup outside of Steph's first quarter. Uh, a Wiggins is the only warrior that played a complete game and played his role. That can't work if the Warriors are going to win this series. A Wiggins can't be the the only one playing to his uh, uh, playing to the peak of his powers. Yeah, man, these dudes, these these Boston Celtics, man. If you're six, if you're below six three, one and you're like one hundred eighty pounds, you're food. You are food to them. It's like I don't know, man. I don't know. Can I stop by real quick? Sure. As a as a as a lifelong Bulls fan, or excuse sorry, me, former 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 Thank Bulls you. fan. Thank sorry, you, sir. sorry. Uh, they had BJ Armstrong on there with CJ McCollum last night. It was kind of a cool moment <clears throat> fraud because BJ kind of dropped the um, the uh, you know the old hat rule for a second and told CJ that he was his favorite player in in an NBA, and that was kind of a cool moment. And then they asked um, CJ, uh, BJ to break down why he thinks that way, and he broke down his game and gave some good examples as to why CJ was his favorite. Not that it was kind of a cool moment. BJ is a really good basketball mind. Um, he got into the agent game, and he did that with, with D. Rose. And I think he, he had some other clients at the time. I'm not sure if he's still as prominent as he was with CAA and Clutch kind of taking over the league. Um, one of these days, I will talk about the rap beef discussion that I had with BJ Armstrong that lasted over an hour. Um, he's very old school hip hop, very 80s into early 90s. He's got a lot of thoughts on someone that I'm not a fond of who's from Long Island but claims Queens. Mm. Um, but BJ has a lot. I wish BJ would do more of that. I know he had a podcast with Rick Buecher a few years ago that he was trying to get, get off the ground and get some traction for. But I think BJ, if he just played that analyst role, kind of like how CJ is stepping into, I think BJ could really provide some real insight. And low-key, he was dope on Last Dance. I mean, yeah. they, they gave him a whole like ten minute block just off of a bullshit series between the Bulls and the Hornets. Like he just he just kept giving up stories after story after story. So I'm uh, I'm I'm not mad at that. Other cool other cool moment was they also had a moment where they had Magic, Legler, and TJ on. Legler so good. And Legler, um, 
really did a good job setting the table up. And he was like, listen, man, when you played the Sixers, when Kareem got hurt in the finals, everyone keeps saying you, you played center. Did you play center or were you just playing basketball and stepping up in areas that your team needed? And I had never heard it, you know, quite posed that way before, which is interesting because, you know, against my team. Right. And Magic agreed. Magic was like, nah, I wasn't a center. I was just playing ball as a player. And I had I knew I had to score more because Kareem wasn't there, but I wasn't playing center. Now, that's dope. Legler, it's another one where, like, the, the full letter network uses him sporadically. But he needs a bigger platform. He does stuff on Sirius XM on the NBA radio channel. And I had to I work with him a bunch. And he's he'll give you some tea. He'll he'll break down some shit if you don't understand it. Like he is a student of the game that I think needs to be utilized more. So that, that that's dope that the full full of the network is trying to give you some people that actually know what the fuck they're talking about. That that's rare based off what we saw with, you know, Fraud A. Smith and Will Bond and Greenberg and all that bullshit. They'll give you the bullshit in the morning. Oh, for sure. I mean, because Friday day has to kill three hours of content. So. Yeah. During the game and after, especially after the game, they'll give you the world. I mean, they they, they have Pev ready to call the series over. So, like, they, they're definitely going to make sure they have the people who will get the clicks and they'll do all that bullshit. So, here's one thing as we wrap up what, while I have y'all. Have y'all both watched Winning Time? Yes. Of course. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm assuming y'all have heard me say like this this shit is not as hidden as the book. Yep. What yes. was I off on how I thought Winning Time was not really as hidden as it should have been or could have been? Um, I didn't read the book, so I can't judge it off of your level of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you are right, and I'm not saying that you're you're not. Um, I thought it was fine. I thought it actually was really good. Um. I thought the the early hullabaloo about you know people being depicted in in the wrong way, right. other Jerry than Jerry, West. other than Jerry West, who mm-hmm. has a, a legitimate gripe. Um, I thought they went out of their way to make Kareem look uh, complex and layered, like really out of their way. Um, so he has nothing to say, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and even the other guy, uh, who was it? The, the the who played power forward, um, Wilkes. Wilkes, even he agreed in real life, was like, nah, that was a good depiction. Um, so obviously everything was, you know, wasn't accurate, but like they had a, you know, a guy who's in the 50s playing Dr. J, for example. Right. Not accurate. But, you know, it was still good and it still like told told a good story. Like, you know, some things were obviously off, like the mama bus was was already dead by that point in real life. Right. So everything wasn't, you know, detailed and accurate, but it was still a good story and, and entertaining. Ab? Nah, um... As soon as you said that they left out parts, as soon as I heard, I heard you say that, then I, that was like, then, then, then that's when I noticed. I was like, oh damn, how they go from like the beginning of the season all the way to like the finals? But like, it was still a good series, man. It was still a really, really good show. Again, to Oso's point, they really did a good job with going deep into how um, Kareem's mind worked. I mean that that I mean that like that introspective episodes where they just spoke about like the like the character. Like for say like a um Jerry West or Kareem like those are like the best episodes, hands down. Um, yeah, man, I I I don't have any any gripes about it, but I just noticed that when you was like, yeah, the book goes into more detail. I could kind of see like what you were where you were where you were, where you were getting at. Yeah, and- for me, I think it's like a if out of ten, I'll probably give it an eight. eight wow. Okay. Okay. 
I think it was a good show. Like I finished it. I, I watched it all the way. I think visually it was really well done. Um, I think the writing was pretty good. But I mean, they had a huge help with a fucking 18 hour book being done on it. So they kind of have a lot to grift off of. Um, apparently they're getting a season two. Of course. I don't know where that goes because the the arc of the story in terms of what Showtime is, is when Pat Riley takes over. But yeah, there's but-, but there's also that point when Magic becomes a coach killer and gets Westhead the fuck up out of there. Spoiler yeah. alert. So how do you show that and how quickly do you transition into Riley with the Armani suits and all that? I mean, it happens like in the very next season, doesn't it? Yes, but there's a lot of like in, in the book. But I think I think the show is going to transition more they, to like they're just going to jump jump right into it, right? No, no, no. they're going to they're going to transition into uh, uh, the, the 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 marketing aspect of like the um, the Lakers versus um, Celtics, right? Rivalry because you can see like at the end where you got David Stern saying, you know. You can you can win the uh, MVP because Kareem isn't here, and like you know, right. probably you win it this year. Burr wins it next year, and then we could kind of. So I think that's where they're gonna definitely get more, get a little bit more um, detailed with. As always, is fuck David Stern on on this podcast. Always. Um. Well, look, I, I thank y'all too for coming on. Obviously, just one game, but. Uh, you know, this is something I've been wanting to do is have people to chop it up. I do pause after every game. Uh, so I like to thank Ad for pull up, pulling up. I like to thank also for pulling up. Who knows? Maybe if, if, if this should go seven games, six, seven games, maybe I'll have. I'll ask the fellas to see if they can pull up again. But um, y'all know how I do here. Every game, you're going to get a pod the next morning. Game two is Sunday. You're going to get a pod on Monday. And my guest then will be Shake from the end of regulation podcast salute to him shout out to them game three i have a guest as well it'll be my first woman guest on the podcast looking very forward to it and i'm pretty sure she could kick all y'all asses in ball even to this day so for ab thank you to him for pulling up thank you to also for pulling up for the sam d podcast i'm sam d i'm out with you.